Previously on Moya, the People's Republic of Moya. The land is hard, cold. The fields are barren for nine months of the year and knee deep in snow for three. You hear about the bodies? I went onto the path for about a minute or so and there they were. The two of them just laying in the middle, out in the open. I thought at first it could be a large cat or some other large animal, but then that wouldn't make much sense now, would it, James? If I may, I'll pop back tomorrow morning, spend a little more time. Perhaps me and you could take a walk up this path and you can show me where you found them. The dust swelled lazily in the sunlight above my head. The rhythmic ticking of the wall clock felt slow and unhurried. Why would anyone choose to stay out here? It's utterly beyond me. But then I suppose for an awful lot, it's not a choice they'll ever need to consider. I debated getting up and looking through the notes on the case, something I had neglected to do from the outset, but everything felt so distant and unhurried. No sounds came in from the street outside, no traffic, no passers-by talking. Occasionally someone would walk past out the front of the small motel room, thudding on the wooden walkway between cabins, the dust flitting in the air with every footstep. After what could have been five minutes or five hours, I gave up trying to fall back to sleep and sat up, dragging my soft briefcase from the floor next to the bed. The brown file slipped out and I read the heading, IB slash I42034. It was thin and inside was just one sheet of paper with a letter addressed to the Ministry Investigations Bureau. At I42, to whom it may concern, from I42 Sector Sergeant Ashbridge. The following is a transcript of a telephone call received this morning from one Alfred Cromes concerning the discovery of two bodies, one of a young ministry employee and his fiancée, a local textiles worker. We would, if you see fit and have the manpower at your disposal, very much appreciate any assistance that you may be able to offer in the matter, each of us all. It struck me as I read the note that I had not asked the old man his name last night, nor had he offered it to me freely. It's fortunate he didn't seem like the precious type. I really wanted to keep him on side as best I could. I got out from the sheets and, tossing the file to one side, resting it on the small cabinet beside the bed, opened the door to the small capsule-sized bathroom. Alfred Cromes was perched on a low wooden stool in the front garden of his concrete bunker of a home. He looked up as I stepped out of the car and onto the quiet street, as empty now at 9am as it was last night when I first arrived. Good morning, Mr. Cromes, I called out to him, raising my hand. Each of us all. Each of us all, James. You don't have to call me that. Been doing your own work, have you? Call me Alfred. 
Good morning, Alfred. And how do I find you today? Just as you left me, James. We all get by, don't we? Give me a moment and I'll pop these inside. He gestured down to the ground where there was a small brown wicker basket filled with various grasses and leaves. I won't keep you a minute. Take your time, I replied, though I was fairly sure that time was something everyone had rather a little too much of out here in the outer sectors. When he returned, stepping out into the snow and closing the front door behind him, he was carrying two small handleless mugs of the same herbal woody tea from the night before. We'll take these up with us. Keeps the hands warm if nothing else. Go on, here you are. He held one out to me and I accepted it gratefully. The old man wasn't wrong. Whilst the sun was out and it was a fair morning, the condensation billowing from every breath told the real story. We walked around the side of Alfred's small house and out into a wide open field that led upwards at a gentle slope. When we hit the eastern edge and ducked down underneath a wire fence, I found that we were on the exact path that Alfred had told me about the night before, sloping upwards towards an old mill which I could just make out in the distance at the top of the hill. It's been a while since that old thing worked. I don't suppose you remember the old bread we used to get, do you, James? Funny old stuff that was. Sometimes I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with it, eat it or take it down to the lake and skip it across the water. Funny little flat things they were. Still, mustn't complain. There was plenty who didn't even get that. You always been up at IO1 then, have you? The question was innocent enough, but I knew what he was really asking. Actually, I, uh, no, I was, I was reassigned when I was in college. I left my home sector and moved up to IO1, what was it, about 19 or so years ago now. Reassigned? You're just full of surprises, aren't you, James? Here we are. This is where I found the poor sods. The young man, well, he was lying down this way. He motioned to the floor and across the path. His head was facing the field there and both his legs were on the side like that. The young lady, well, she was a bit more of a mess, honestly. I didn't look too much at her. It's it's not really decent. She was laying face down, head pointing back down the path. I'd not seen much of them about the sector, which I suppose now is a good thing, but I know they didn't have any family around here on account of their previous. That's probably what brought them together in the first place. They must have worked awfully hard to still be here themselves. You mentioned yesterday that the slashes on the body had torn off strips of clothing. I assume that's what you took to have been the cause of death. Oh yeah, I'd certainly have thought so, James. A lot of blood there was. I didn't see much on the fella on account of the colour of his uniform, but it certainly struck me from the poor girl. And that you thought these slashes, that they they look like they came from an animal. Why an animal and not a knife? Oh, no, 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 not a knife. Well, not any old knife didn't do that. These were wide gashes, not simple cuts. Some kind of tool, maybe, yeah, but not a knife. And, uh, I hesitated for a moment and then went on. You haven't seen any sort of animal that might have done it up here? Nothing to suggest an animal even? 
It's surely not unthinkable what with this wood, is it? Oh, come on, James. Not seen any wildlife like that in your lifetime. Nothing moves in there but a few birds here and there, but nothing else. I'd stake an awful lot on that. To the right of the path was a thin layer of trees that gave way to the open field. On the left side, the tree line was dense and stood tall, the tops of the trees bending over the path with their own weight. And you've not heard of anything much else that goes on in there, I said, nodding towards the wood. Anything that goes on? What might you mean by that, James? Nothing as far as I know. Goes on for a few miles, crosses right over the border to I-45. I'm pretty sure it finishes up by a logging camp. But honestly, I've never been there myself to say it with any certainty. I knelt down on the floor and brushed my fingers across the snow on the small dirt path. Blades of grass sprung through the fresh snow and flicked small crystals of ice as my hands passed over them. In all honesty, I wasn't looking at anything in particular, rather I was hoping that by doing something it might look like I knew exactly what the hell I was doing here at all. I suppose you've heard the stories. Stories? Oh, you mean finally I can tell you something you don't know? Yeah, now... Bear in mind, James, this is just stories. Most don't believe them. But there's old stories that a witch lived up here in the woods. As time goes on, of course the story changes. When I was a boy, she was just a bitter old woman, fell in love with a local who turned her down. So she killed him in the night, drowned his newborn and tore his wife apart. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty horrid story even back then. Of course, after the mill closed, The story moved on. My grandson told me the version he'd heard whilst he was in the youth league. By then she'd had poisoned the flour in the mill. Cast some sort of sickness on the old district. Of course, that's likely to have changed on account of the, uh, the difficult days back then and naturally with the mill closed down as it is. Alfred was eyeing me as I knelt on the ground. He looked uncomfortable. You don't have to dance around it with me, Alfred. I know what went on back then and I personally I feel it's better to acknowledge it and prevent it from reoccurring rather than hide it away and pretend we've always had it easy. As it happened, I had heard a version of the story Alfred was recounting. I too had heard it in the Youth League but naturally in the version I had heard it took place in my district nearly 180 miles to the south. Nothing but campfire stories. I looked out past the thin line of trees on the western side of the path and down across the small, empty field to the row of houses below. Moya has had some tough times all right, and yet, here we are, eh, Alfred? I looked across the spot on the ground where the bodies of the young ministry man had been found, slashed and gored with his fiancée. Well, some of us at least. By the time I got back to the motel, it was noon and I was somewhat at a loss at how on earth I was going to fill the time between now and, well, then. I wasn't entirely convinced the locals were going to give much up, despite Alfred being relatively warm to my presence here. I suppose it wouldn't hurt to try and at least talk to a few who may have been well connected in the small community. I certainly needed somewhere to take this at least. I laid back on the bed and the ticking of the clock on the wall re-emerged to remind me that everything here was indeed running on time, 
which is to say a certain degree slower than it should be. I noticed a low humming sound in my ears. It seemed not to be from any direction in particular, rather more like as water sits in a bowl, so this sound sat in the valley that surrounded me. It wasn't unpleasant and actually I felt an inexplicable comfort and warmth from hearing it. In the night sky above my head, branches snapped and when I looked up at the dark blanket of the forest canopy, there was nothing but the dense wood intertwining on and on upwards until it disappeared into the ink-filled blackness. As I stared upwards and my eyes became accustomed to the dark, I could make out something hanging from the trees. They twirled lazily in the faint breeze and, trying to look past them out the corner of my eyes, I could see symbols made from crudely twisted sticks. I had seen the same symbol somewhere before, but now as I looked upon them it was just out of reach. I looked down from the hill I was perched on. Before me was the dense forest ground. It sloped downwards into a pit or a small crater, and between every tree, knee-deep foliage crept up at the gnarled bark and bridged the gap of every inch of space. On the far side of the crater sat an old military bunker left from the revolutionary days. As a child I had often played in them, dotted throughout Moya as they were, reenacting fictional war stories. The concrete of the building was grey and damp, its flat roof covered in ivy and small shrubs. And then a movement, or was it? I focused my eyes on the base of a tree fifty yards down into the crater. Again, a small movement in the darkness. It was slight, but it was definitely movement. As I strained my eyes, I saw it. With grotesque, slow movement, it turned, cracking and snapping forwards, its head twitching up at me. The silhouette, crippled and hunched in the darkness, gave off a foul stench, and I had to hold myself back from retching. Through torn rags, pale white skin shone like scars in the low light. It stopped and crouched, twisting its neck to one side its head angled towards the ground. The waxy skin of a face, dripping from bone, stared out from beneath the hood, silhouetting large, sunken black eyes. The hum of the valley stopped. I held my breath and heard my heart beating in my ears as it stood before me, its face now level with my own. And then nothing. The forest was gone the low ticking of a clock and a voice singing in the shower. Sophie? I called out. The singing stopped. Sophie, is that you? Nothing. I sat in the small, uncomfortable chair in the stuffy office in silence, waiting for the local sector sergeant to return with our coffee. The chair had just enough padding to appear well made, but not quite enough to actually act as a cushioned surface. As I shifted, the authentic Moya-made artificial leather groaned under my legs. Sorry to keep you, each of us all. Each of us all, thanks, 
I said as the sergeant placed a cup of coffee on the desk in front of me, pushing a low stack of papers to one side first to make room. I, uh, I understand you met with Mr. Crohn's this morning, and he took you up to the site where he found the bodies. He asked me as he sat down in a chair on the opposite side of the desk. He struck me as a man very proud of his position here in the outer sectors, and yet, at the same time, he himself had requested assistance, which was fairly unusual. These types are usually the first to try and keep things in-house, as it were. Yes, that's right, we had a little look around. I can't say it was overly useful, but it was enough to get a good picture of the place. Yes, well, you really should have involved me first, but never mind, never mind. I'm not the type to concern myself about all of that. I'll arrange for you to see the bodies tomorrow if you think it might help. We've still got them in the cooler. That would be most helpful, thank you. What are your first thoughts, Sergeant? Alfred seems to suggest that the wounds on the victims look like they were caused by a tool of some kind. Said they look like something caused by a wild animal. <laughs> He's a funny old chap. He's been in that house since I was a young man myself, he has. He's no doubt pulling your leg. He has a funny way about him. I did notice. I thought back to his dismissal and honest indifference concerning imported goods and black market trading from last night. I assume you don't think it could have been then. At all? Well, I don't suppose it's impossible. The problem is, I can't think of a tool that could cause the damage that would be in popular use around here. Getting things like that through checkpoints, well, I mean, it wouldn't... would not be impossible by any stretch, but it would rather be keeping it to yourself that might cause you difficulties. We're not really a sort that's accustomed to seeing things where they should not be out here, and the industry in I-42 is focused on textiles. General manufacture of clothing, that sort of thing. I have to say, I, I do find it hard to imagine. And what about a wild animal? There was a small silence before he replied. I don't suppose you're old enough to remember the famines, are you? No. There's been very little wildlife since those days. What was here even then was not a great in number, and since, well... I'd rather suspect my own daughter of the crime than any sort of animal. It was, it has to be said, a very rare occasion for anyone to recall the great famines of the past, such a stain as they were to Moyer's history. I had, of course, heard all about them, and rather Ashbridge was being kind, suggesting that I might not be old enough to remember them. My own family had suffered more than I care or allow myself to dwell on. People didn't mention it, not because of any governmental restrictions. Rather, it was unusual to meet someone whose lives had not been scarred by them in the past. So then, Sergeant, it was not a tool, knife, nor wild animal. What do you think it could have been that killed those poor people? I assume you do believe it to have been a local, at least. That, he said, looking up from the desk and picking up his coffee, is what you're here to find out, isn't it? Moyer was created by Ben Cutmore. Intro and outro music is used under Creative Commons Attribution License and is called Russian Winter by Tim from tabletopaudio.com. You can help support the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash Moyer podcast 
and as thanks you gain access to a private Discord server as well as early access to episodes and all that other good stuff. Thanks for listening.